0: Well, we're in 2 Corinthians, and if you remember a few weeks ago, we were just wrapping up 1 Corinthians. So I highly recommend that if you were not here with us in 1 Corinthians, or you just want that refresher, to go online, watch the 1 Corinthians introduction. It talks a lot about where Corinth is, how it got there, how it was destroyed and rebuilt, how it was Greek, and then it became Roman. I talked a lot about the culture, the background. I was really fancy. I had some pictures and things. You can see the ruins of the old uh, Corinth city. We talked about how there's a canal there that made them very rich because they were able to go from sea to sea. It was a, a transport and trade capital. And so all of that is in that first Corinthians introduction. I highly recommend if you don't remember those things to check that out. It's on the website. It's also on YouTube. Second Corinthians, however, could be called third Corinthians. Because there's a missing letter, and we don't know if it was before 1 Corinthians or after 1 Corinthians when it was written. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, but there is a lot of drama in this place. Corinth was planted by Paul. He had traveled in his missionary journeys, planted churches all over the place. And now he's writing this second letter back to the Corinthians, at least how it's recorded to us. (coughs) And they have a lot of accusations. You would have thought 1 Corinthians would have solved all these things. 1 Corinthians was a tough, hard letter where he, if you remember, talked about how they were suing each other, how they were looking at each other by classes, and at the, the love feast, this, this service that they had every week, this big buffet, they, some people were going hungry, and some people were eating a lot. They talked about spiritual gifts and how the spiritual gifts were just being all used out of whack. I mean, There was criticism after criticism after criticism there, and Paul had addressed those things, and he had left... And he was supposed to go to Macedonia. And if you remember in chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, and if you actually remember all this stuff, you guys are amazing Bible students. But in chapter 16, he said, On my w- when I go to Macedonia, I'm going to come to you afterwards. But he doesn't do that. And we're going to talk about why that happens. But 2 Corinthians is super special to me because we will learn more about Paul the Apostle himself in this epistle than any other portion of Scripture Because he's making a defense of his apostleship. You see, in the Corinthian church, these people had come in from outside and they were calling themselves super apostles. That they were better than Paul. That they were more elite than Paul. That Paul was a good start, but they were where it was at. In the midst of that, they had started having more divisions. Started separating themselves, even questioning Paul. Is he sincere? Is he just telling us things? Is he wishy-washy with what he says and Paul is going to make a defense for himself here and then we're also going to learn that there was some conflict that's encouraging to me you're like what in the world how can that be encouraging because if anybody can fix a church if anybody can have unity wouldn't Paul the apostle be the one to do it wouldn't he through all of those works and the places he went and the things that he was doing and he wrote 13 epistles The Lord is literally speaking through him the word of God. And I throw in the book of Hebrews as well. I believe that he wrote that book. You can argue with me later. But this guy still has the same heartaches and hardships and personal issues and relationship issues with believers in Christ. And so with that being said, let's open with the word of prayer. and We're going to read the first two verses, the introduction here in 2 Corinthians. Lord, we pray that you would teach us as you taught them. So many millennia ago, Lord, we know that your word never changes and never returns void. And I pray that you would teach us and show us from your word application for our lives today as you continue to shape us and mold us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first two verses here, it says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in all Achaia." Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is not a hireling. He was not hired. He was not voted on. They didn't pick him up in a lineup like, you know what, this guy, he's the one that's going to be the real apostle. There was no elders committee to appoint him to his apostleship. He was appointed by God, the will of God, their very first verse. And it just seems like an interesting introduction, but as we go through this book, you'll realize the Holy Spirit is very, very uh, interested in every single word in this book having a meeting. There's nothing there just by pure coincidence or happenstance. You'll remember in Acts chapter 9, that Saul of Tarsus is being converted. I mean, this guy was the worst of the worst anti-Christian out there. If you've been with us with any amount of time, we know that he was imprisoning Christians, he was causing them to blaspheme God, he was trying to stamp out the Lord. But there, in, earlier in chapter 9, he sees the Lord on the road to Damascus and converts. He's radically changed by this experience. But the Lord also shows these other people these other Christians that have been tormented by him, persecuted by him, that the Lord has chosen Saul who's becoming Paul of Tarsus. In fact, in the verse I'm going to show you here, the conversation to the Lord is, Lord, don't you know who Saul of Tarsus is? And this is the Lord's response in Acts chapter 9, verse 15 through 16. The Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Remember, the question is, Lord, don't you know who that guy is? But the Lord says here, it is him. And so they, they are obedient to that. They're obedient to that. But also notice that in verse 16, I would never volunteer for this. I will show him how many things he must suffer. And we're going to talk about that this morning, the things that Paul is going through. Now, these super apostles that we're going to talk about week after week that are coming in, they're like 21st century mega pastors. They got special seats, they got special parking spots, pastor only. They got Gulfstream jets. They go to uh, arenas and they they speak, and their face is plastered all over the place. They have podcasts and books, and their name is what's prominent. And they're going around and they're saying, see, Paul's not even a real servant of God, dude. It's not a professional like we are. We are super apostles. He's just a regular old follower of Christ. You know, that was a good start. But you really need to start following us. But Paul here is going to tell us in chapter 2 that we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God and in Christ. I mean, that's a lot with just two verses, right? Immediately he starts off with, An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. And he says it's to the church there. But then there's a line here that many Christians, we just overlook it because we hear it so often. What does it say there in verse 2? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, unmerited favor, mercy, forgiveness from God and peace. Where does peace come from? From God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember this as we go into verses 3 through 7, because we're going to couple them together. So in verses 3 through 7, it said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, It is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also will you partake. Also, you will partake of the consolation. Excuse me. Now, this doesn't seem like much if we're just reading it at face value. There's some verses there that are used often. But. Bible students will realize that this is the only epistle, the only letter that Paul writes that starts with a blessing. And there's some opinions for that. How does it usually start? Usually, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, he thanks the church. He talks about how great the church is, his love for the church, the prayer of the church. He begins with thanks. This epistle, he starts with a blessing. There's two possible reasons why that could be, and I think it's both because I cheat. One, he just survived incredible trials in Galatia. That's Asia Minor. That's where modern-day Turkey is today, and he'd been planting churches throughout there. We're going to talk about that today, some of the stuff he went through. Or two, he's not going to thank the Corinthian church. He's not going to tell them how great they are, the blessing they are, because there's big problems there. And they've had some big arguments And there's a lot of division there. And he's just not going to be a hypocrite. He's just not going to be praising and blessing God for them until there is reconciliation. What are some of the problems? In chapter 12, we'll get there in like 37 years at my pace of teaching. In chapter 12, he says this about him coming. For I fear, lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Paul, tell us how you really feel, man. Verse 21, Lest when I come again my God will humble me among you and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. What does that mean in 21st century English? It's like it's going to be chaos when I come because you're all so out of line. And I don't want to come there and have big arguments with you. These are the problems that he's listing that are happening there. Now, In chapter 7, though, of this book, Paul writes, For even if I made you sorry with my letter, which I think is 1 Corinthians. Some people think it's the hidden letter. I think it's 1 Corinthians. I do not regret it. Though I did regret it. For I perceive that the same epistle made you sorry, though only for a while. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. You ever, you ever go to a movie and then like you're just thrown in and you don't know any of the background? You have to kind of figure it out? Well, that's what happens when we jump into 2 Corinthians, even if you've studied 1 Corinthians, because a lot of stuff happened in between those two books. And don't worry, we're going to talk about it towards the end of our study this morning, what, what transpired. But do you feel the tension, the anxiety, the issues, the heartache that's happening between the fellowship and between Paul? And in the midst of that, what does what does he bless here? Verse 3, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. Comfort, the God of all comfort. Where does comfort come from? Where does peace come from? Where do these things come from? Now, you're going to have to give me some liberty here because I'm going to use an old story from an old time before I was a Christian. But there's a, there's a drink <coughs> It's called Southern Comfort. That is the nastiest alcoholic beverage that's ever been invented by mankind. It is disgusting. Unfortunately, I made a lot of bad decisions drinking that stuff. But that being said, what does the name imply? What does it imply here? You get your comfort from that bottle. Well, where do you get your comfort from? Are you going home and popping pills? Are you going home and just mindlessly watching Netflix for eight hours? I binged the whole season. Is it a person? Is it a negative person? Is it on your cell phone? Is it social media? Is it an adulterous relationship? You know, where are you getting your comfort from? Paul is going through heartache, relationship issues. He's being persecuted. He's being beaten. He's being arrested. We're going to talk about all these things he's going through. And he said, Blessed be God. Where all comfort comes from. All comfort comes from him. The Bible says every good and perfect thing comes from him. Where does peace come from? It comes from God. Sitting with God. Do we make peace? Do we make comfort? No. Even when we slap it on a bottle, it causes destruction. And I could tell you, I caused cause a lot of destruction with that nonsense. Now, when, when Paul is talking about trials and tribulations... He's not talking about a rough day at work. He's not talking about his boss yelling at him all day long because he answered the emails wrong. He's not talking about a relationship issue. He's not talking about, oh, man, we can't upsize our big meal now because it's getting tight. In chapter 11, he's going to tell us exactly what these trials are. Let's read some of them, shall we? Verse 23, for. There, are, there many, are there ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, he's not talking about clothes now, he's talking about lashings. In stripes above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So he's whipped 39 times. Five times that happened. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. For some of you that are not yet believers yet, that's not what it means, okay? (laughs) He was actually stoned with stones. (laughs) Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. That means he was lost at sea. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, Imperils perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger, in thirst, in fastings, often in cold and nakedness, besides the other things which come upon me daily. he's like, but wait, there's more. My deep concern for all the churches. This isn't about him. And so he's able to proclaim, yes, I'm an apostle of God. I was chosen by God. And he's able to say, God, grace and mercy and peace from the Lord Jesus and the God of all comfort and all mercy. And when he says something like that, that's not some trite. That's not some simpleton greeting like, oh, hey, how's your how's your, happy new year? How are you doing? Everything great? When we add those layers, can you feel the depth? The God of all comfort. A man that goes through that needs some comfort. Well, that same God is available to you. That same word is available to you. Imagine the heartache that he's going through and the difficulties, the tension with the Corinthians themselves. And he's starting off by saying this. This is because of God. This isn't because of you. I'm not here to please you. I'm not here to make you guys happy. I'm not even here to prove myself. But that being said, this entire book, Paul is going to be making a defense of his love for them and his love for God and how these other people are trying to rip them off. Well, let's read now verses 8 through 11 when it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant. In 21st century English, that means I don't want you to be stupid. Brethren of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we are burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. (coughs) What trials is he talking about? We just went through a big list of them, right? But I said specifically Galatia, which was that modern-day Turkey. He had just come from a journey, which in First Corinthians 15 said that he would have been fighting wild beasts. In Ephesus, we know that he'd already been whipped with that whip of cords thirty-nine times. That separates the flesh off of your back. And remember, that happened five times. He had been through the riot in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19. He had some kind of persecution when he left Troas in Acts 20 and. 1st Corinthians 16. And don't forget on top of all these things going through he's going through. He's got this physical ailment that we don't know what it is. You know, a lot of people have a lot of different theories about what it is, but it's just theories. We don't really know. On top of that, the Bible says he had that spiritual warfare, that tent spike from Satan, a minister set to buffet him to keep him humble. It's like how prideful is Paul that he needs all these things in his life to keep him humble? And then I think to myself, well, you know, I can relate to that. Remember, remember, while he's going through all these things, he says that this is about the Lord. And this is about God and following what God says. But then when we start looking at this, we forget this thing here. And this is a, this is a word for us here in Calvary Chapel, low country, as much as it was for Corinth. In verse 11, I want you to read there. In verse 11, it says, You also helping together in prayer for us. We live in a culture today that is slandering prayer, that is backbiting against prayer, that is coming to you and saying that prayer is worthless. It is nothing. For example, when a violent incident happens on social media today and they say, oh, I'm praying for this situation, I'm praying, I'm praying. What do they say? Atheists, agnostics, uh, You know, keep your prayers. We don't need your prayers. How dare you just say that? It's like, well, if prayers are meaningless and don't have any action behind them, then sure, they're right. But here, Paul is saying, do you know the way that you help, the way that you contribute? I don't need your advice. I don't need your money. I don't need your intellect, your planning ability. I don't need your finances. I don't need your ships, your houses. I need your prayers. You want to help this ministry? You want to help the church plants? I need your prayers. Your prayers helps. If God is the God of heaven, and if he is the creator of the universe, and all things exist and consist because he made them, then praying to him according to his will and according to his good works will profit, will benefit, will change things. And he is saying the same thing. Well, if you're a good Bible student, you're going to be like, well, that's a lot of jibber-jabber, Mike, but you've got to prove it to me. All right. In Romans chapter 15, verse 20, Paul says, Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. The best way to help Paul, he's begging them, is to pray. To pray. Philippians chapter 119, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Through what? Through prayer. And then finally, this is more the way I talk. First, Th- First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 25, just short and to the point. Brethren, pray with us. Pray for us. And notice that Paul's begging. Pray, pray, pray. How do you pray? How do I want to pray. You go to the Bible bookstore. You go to even to Walmart. They've got that console, and like 27 books are about prayer. If you spent as much time praying as you did reading that book, you'd be much better at praying. Like, if you pray on your face. You can pray while you're fasting. You can pray in the shower. You can pray while you're dancing. You can pray on the way. You can pray that I stop talking about prayer. You just do it. You just do it. And then if it's your first time, you don't know how to pray. Well, what do I say? Is there like a, a stance, a thing? No. No. Out loud, silently, in your own heart. God is omnipresent he's in all places at all times every person here who converted to christ knows the first time they prayed. how awkward was that or i don't know if i'm doing this right or i i don't even know how to pray i don't even know if this works i don't even know if i'm talking to myself but your book says to do this so i'm going to give it a try that's how you start just like that and then you get after it and you consistently pray if god is the god of heaven then our prayers are having an effect in the kingdom. Now, I will say this. Prayer changes nothing. Oh, prayer changes things. That's cute. Prayers change nothing. Mike, you better back up. What are you saying? I see fists rolling. God changes things. God is all-powerful. There is no power in our prayer. It's who we're speaking to that has an effect. And so these prayers need to be lined up with what he wants to accomplish. I see all kinds of kooky prayers, and I'm like, no, the Lord ain't going to answer that one. He's probably rolling his eyes right now. Asking for a Ferrari. Good luck with that. I know the man. (laughs) You could pray all day on that one. It'd be funnier. What happens when the thing shows up? Well, that's just the Lord then. I also find it fascinating, switching gears, that even though Paul is asking them to pray for him, What is this whole book about? Conflict with the Corinthians. The Corinthians are saying that he's not a real apostle. The Corinthians are saying that he doesn't say what he means. The Corinthians are saying that he needs to do better. The Corinthians are saying that he's not good enough. These super apostles, they're doing better. And yet, he's still speaking to them and gives them this this prayer, this praise, and he's still asking them, hey, the effective prayers. I need your prayers also goes to show you that you don't have to have some kind of spiritual level before your prayers are effective. Well, now in verses 12 through 14, he continues. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and in godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. Now, I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that we are your boast as you also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is where Paul's going to take off. He's going to start defending himself. What he is saying here is there are no hidden messages in my letters to you. I said what I mean, I mean what I say. It's very difficult to be a minister, a pastor. It's very difficult to be in leadership. Shoot, it's very difficult to be married. When you say something and they hear it and then they say, well, he said this, but he meant that. No, no, I said what I meant. Well, what he really meant to say was this. No, no, that's not what we're saying. Now, I don't know about you guys, but in my marriage, every once in a while, we have this conversation. I've got to look at my wife, and I've got to say, what did you hear me say? And then she repeats back what I say, and I said, no, no, what I said was this. And you, it's really telling because if you know me and you know my wife, like I say two sentences, and then she repeats back to me an essay. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I didn't say any of that. What I said was this, and I meant it. Now, if you need marriage counseling, they got people set up. You know, They can handle these kinds of things. But here's something completely different. But what's happening with the Corinthians is they're reading into what he's saying or hearing. They're spinning it, and then they're spitting it out as gossip. And now it's being replicated. Did you hear what Pastor Mike said? Did you hear what he said? You see the way he looked at me? Well, he's really angry at me. He doesn't like me. He doesn't like my family. He doesn't like us. What are you talking about? I just have an angry face. That's just my face. Well, the similar things are happening to Paul, and that's why he's writing here. He's writing here in verse, at the end of verse 12, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but with the grace of God. And then in verse 13, very clear, for we are not writing any other things to you than what you read or understand. That's just Simple. He's starting. You see how this is building up from the, the initial introduction, I am an apostle called by God. The, and we praise God for his peace and his comfort because he's going to bring it. He's the God of all mercies. And we've been through great many tribulations and trials and I almost died. But our glory, our boast is in our simplicity. And listen, y'all, when I wrote these things to you, I meant what I said and nothing else. And so with that background, we're going to read a big section now. We're going to read all the way from 15 to verse 24. And in this, in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by way of you to Macedonia to come out again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly? Or the things I planned, do I plan according to the flesh? That with me there should be yes, yes, and no, no? But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him was yes, for all the promises of God in him are yes and and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in God, who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Verse 23. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul that to spare you, I came no more to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. Now we're going to talk about these last two verses in a little bit. But now's the time we're going to build the background. What happened between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians? Well, in 1 Corinthians 16, remember, Paul had promised on his way to Macedonia afterwards he was going to come and check in. After Macedonia, Macedonia is the northernmost part of Greece today. And he said, I'm going to go to Macedonia first, and when I'm done, I'm going to come back to you guys. But something was happening in Corinthians, in Corinth, that was so messed up that Paul went straight to Corinth. He didn't even make it to Macedonia. And so, after that change of plans, he went there first, but something happened. It was painful for them, and it was painful for him. We know this because of the first verse of chapter two. When he visited there was so much friction and contention when he visited them after 1 Corinthians that he left. And he said he left in sorrow. After that visit, on his way to Macedonia, somebody openly insulted Paul from Corinth. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 7. So somebody sent him a letter or sent him a messenger that really insulted him. And we don't know. It's from the anti-Paul party. So these, anti, these uh, super saints that had come through, super apostles. There was a little bit of a rebellion, but not everybody was in on it. And because that visit was so unpleasant, he says here in verse 23, I'm not even coming to you. I'm not coming back, because if I do remember that long list, there's just going to be a bunch of angry contentions again. And so he goes to Macedonia, and Paul sends Titus from Ephesus to Corinth with the letter, which is 2 Corinthians. This letter is being written in 56 AD, and he's sending Titus with it. Now, some scholars believe that there, that other letter, if it was after 1 Corinthians, remember how I said this could be 3 Corinthians? Was at that time? I don't believe so. And the reason I don't believe so is I think there was the, the ghost letter, we'll call it, was first. And 1 Corinthians was the mean letter. That was the letter. Remember, it was just reproof after reproof after reproof. And so then the second letter is being brought, this one. Now, Paul leaves Ephesus. After he suffered his affliction in Asia that he talked about in this chapter. And after that, he goes back to Macedonia where he's collecting all the money for the saints to go to Jerusalem. You guys confused yet? Yeah, I know half of you are confused. But at least you know there's drama happening. There's drama unfolding. So he's in Macedonia again. And now he's writing 2 Corinthians. And now he is sending this reproof. And I wonder how it was received. I wonder how they took this letter. Oh, great. Another letter from Paul. What's he going to do? Well, he sends Titus. Now, Titus, we know, is a tough guy as a minister of the gospel. Timothy, not so much. He's got to be encouraged like every word in every letter about him is an encouragement. Titus, you don't have to do that. Titus goes in there and he fixes stuff. I want you to see now in verse 23. That even though he says he doesn't want to come there because of contentions. Notice 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. Paul has all the authority, and yet he doesn't want to go there to just cause problems, but they need to repent and to change. Now, I'm going to tell you this. What, why? Why is Paul going through this? He's not getting this kind of problems with all the other churches he's planted. Sure, in Galatia, they had a short... Uh, rebellion against him, they wanted to go back to idolatry. But for the most part, the epistles and the letters, people respect Paul a lot. He has planted churches all over the Mediterranean. The Lord is speaking to him through the word of God. He doesn't have to put up with this. Oh, fine, You know, go off and do whatever you want. You guys are obnoxious. But Paul doesn't find his comfort from the people. He doesn't find his his pride or his livelihood or his well-being from the people he serves the people because he serves god he's an apostle of god and so he can go through those trials and tribulations and so i i just copy him one day you guys like me the next day you hate me one day you guys are here and oh that's the best message i've ever heard next thing i know did you hear what john smith said about you the other day and i go home and i sleep great every night because i don't care And it's not that I am not pouring myself out to serve. Of course not. Is that I serve God. And it's, he is the God of all comfort. He is the God of mercy. I get my peace from him, not from the people. The super apostles were very interested in prestige, and they thought the more prestige they had, the more God was blessing them. Nothing could be further from the truth. What is Paul after? What does Paul want He's saying I'm going through all these trials, I'm going through all this stuff. I'm not doing it because I want you guys to like me. I'm not doing it because I want to be seen as an apostle. I'm doing this because I'm called of God to preach the gospel, the good news that Jesus died, rose again, that all who confess him with their mouth and believe in their heart shall be saved. He wants unity. And that's what he told them in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 verse 13 for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body whether Jews or Greeks whether slaves or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That's how I can read a epistle that has so much heartache and contention and drama and gossip all things that I just do not want to deal with. And I can be encouraged because when those things happen here, isn't Paul the guy that that would never happen to? Like, this, this, this is the Apostle Paul. Like, nope, wherever there's people, there's people problems. You guys are all just a bunch of sinners like me. And anything good in us is coming from God. And all the drama the contentions or the frustration, yep, that's from us. We're doing it. But Paul is not seeking popularity. He's not seeking office. He's not seeking a raise. He's not trying to please anyone. He is seeking godly unity because the message of the gospel is more important to him than his well-being, his comfort, his prestige, his own health. The gospel is so important that it supersedes everything, and he goes to the whole world teaching it. And he's not giving up on the Corinthians. You'll see. For so many chapters, we're going to go through defense after defense after defense. This morning, remember, we all have work to do. You know, The Lord has work to do in each one of us. Some of us, it's to pray for the first time. Some of us, it's to go back to prayer. Some of us, it's to stop being rebellious gossips. For some of us, it's to say, hey, it's okay. There are tensions at church. Wherever there's people, there's people problems. It does happen. We don't want it to happen all the time. And we need to realize that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, His Spirit will minister to us. And for some of you, whatever trial you're going through, you need to to realize that comfort comes from God. Peace comes from God, nowhere else. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word, and we pray that You would continue to teach us as week by week we go through Corinthians and see You working through Paul, working in the lives of those people, and pray that You would continue to have Your will accomplished through us. We do, as Pastor Reggie was praying, we pray for the missionaries in Peru, for the Bible college there, the church plants. We pray for Roatan in Honduras. We pray for the Bread for the Bite ministry that's feeding so many. And we pray for open doors for Venezuela, Lord, to go in there and to plant churches, to be about the gospel, Lord. And we pray that your will be accomplished here in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget we have a prayer meeting Thursday night. Uh, we're up here, brothers and sisters, up here to pray with you, talk with you. God bless you, and have a wonderful week.